All right, let's open up our Bibles to two different places. Get John chapter 7, please, in your right hand. John 7 and verse 24. We'll begin there. And then in your left hand, you can get Matthew chapter 7. And we'll spend the majority of our time there. I, my volume is going all over the place. Can you guys hear me in the back? Is there? Okay, we're good. Matthew 7 in your left hand, John 7 in your right hand. And today we're going to talk on this subject. The title of my lesson, or sermon rather, is Scrutinizing According to Scripture. Scrutinizing According to Scripture, which is a very fancy way of saying how to judge properly. (laughs) How to properly judge people in situations. So I hope this is a help to you. Uh, John 7 in verse 24, Jesus says, Judge not according to appearance. And then he says, but judge righteous judgment. Can you see, folks, that there's a right way to judge? There's a wrong way to judge. Jesus most emphatically condemns the wrong sort of judgment. And there's much to be said beyond just this verse. But then at the end of the verse, he says, but judge righteous judgment judgment. It is a biblical command that we not only judge, but that we do it right. So before we proceed, may you bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Let's have a word of prayer and ask God to help us this morning. Father, please, would you guide us now as we uh, embark on this somewhat difficult subject? Lord, I reckon it should be easy, but there's so many misconceptions about it. Would you please fill me with your spirit today so that I can say some things that'll be helpful? Lord, I desire simply to be used as a vessel I want the Lord Jesus Christ to be magnified. I want the truth to be set on the pillar it deserves. Lord, would you please meet with us now. Let us walk out of this place better than how we came in. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And let's get Matthew chapter 7. Let's see what the Bible says here. This is the same Jesus speaking, of course. Matthew 7 and verse 1. Now, after reading in John 7, judge righteous judgment. Matthew 7, 1, judge not. (laughs) So which one is it, Lord? Should I judge or should I not judge? Matthew 7 and 1, judge not that you be not judged. I'm sure that many of you heard this verse before you ever read it in a Bible. Haven't you heard? I mean, the the worst atheist in the world will point this one out. Don't you judge me. And they they know where that's at in the Bible. It's somewhere right next to that verse about take a little wine. (laughs) There's certain verses everybody knows about in the Bible. Take a little wine and don't you judge me for it. (laughs) Strange how that often works together. Judge not that you be not judged. Did you know most people only read that verse and then they close their Bible and go on and say, now I've got it figured out. I'm not going to judge anyone so that no one has the right to judge me. And if all we had was verse 1, I might be tempted to agree with that person if that's all we had. But we got more than 31,000 other verses in the Bible to consider uh, when it comes to finding the truth. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. What an 
What an amazing illustration. A beam in your eye. Imagine the picture that he's painting, right? Verse number five. Thou hypocrite. Now, do you see who he's talking to? He's talking to a hypocrite. This passage is addressed to somebody who does not know how to judge. Someone who has not earned the right to judge. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. As I've mentioned, plenty of people will take the first verse and create a doctrine around it and say, we should not judge anyone. And the reason they say that is so that no one else will hold them accountable. Let me ask you a question. Is it a biblical truth that if we do not judge others, we will never be judged by anyone else? Can you imagine if I were to teach this today, folks, live the rest of your life without judging anyone else and God will not judge you? (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There is most definitely going to be a judgment for everyone at some point in their future by God himself. Yes? There's nothing you can do to get around that. You say, well, maybe this is only applicable to mankind. If I don't judge other people, other people won't judge me. Does that ring true for you? Let me ask you this. I believe, I believe this passage actually teaches us and commands us to judge. Now, do you think I'm wrong? You say, yes, I think you're wrong. Then you just judged me. (laughs) Shame on you. Now I get to judge you back. (laughs) Do you see how nonsensical that is? Common sense tells us that verse 1 is not telling us, it is not a command to never judge anyone or anything. Common sense tells us that we have to judge. Judgment has its place in life and certainly in the Christian life. But it must be, according to Jesus himself, it must be righteous judgment. So we must scrutinize according to Scripture. Why would I say this? Well, verse 2 tells us, for with what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged. Do you see in verse 2, Jesus is assuming, he knows that we are going to judge. He knows that we're supposed to judge. He admits that in verse 2. In verse number 3, 4, and 5, he is going, we're going to study that today, he's going to command us how to properly judge. So verse 2, he assumes it. Verses 3 to 5, he explains how to do it. John 7, verse 24, commands it. So that helps us interpret verse 1, doesn't it? Verse 1 does not mean that we are not supposed to draw judgment on anyone for anything. We should, but we should do it correctly. If the liberal is correct, and we're never supposed to judge anyone, folks, then we need to close the courtrooms. Do you realize that? A Christian then should pick it outside of the courtroom and say, shut it down, it's wrong to judge. We should shut down the classrooms. It's wrong for a teacher to tell a student, sit down, be quiet, you're interrupting class. We should shut down workplaces. It would be wrong for a boss to fire an employee for doing a bad job. We should shut down homes because parents would no longer be allowed to tell their children that's wrong and you're going to get a pox law for that. Do you see how nonsensical it would be to say, judge not, never ever tell anyone they're wrong. It can't, verse 1 cannot mean that. 
I do, though, before we move on, I want to make sure that you understand my intentions this morning. I am not advocating anyone to have a judgmental attitude. Do you realize there's a difference between righteous judgment and being a nitpicking, annoying, overly critical, judgmental person? I believe some people have taken it upon themselves. They believe it is God's calling on their life to be the official fault finder for the body of Christ. It's all they do is they can find everything that's wrong. But listen, here's, here's what's wrong with that. <laughs> here's, here's what's wrong with that. They want something to be wrong. That's one of the earmarks of a judgmental person. They want something to be wrong because as long as they're pointing out your faults, you're not looking at their faults. Did you know that you can be a judgmental person, you can have a judgmental attitude about you and never say it? Did you know some people are judgmental in their minds and in their hearts, but they lack the backbone to actually say it out loud? That doesn't make you any less judgmental it's still affecting you on the inside because that anger, that selfishness, that pride that comes from being overly critical of everyone, making them live up to a standard that you don't even expect of yourself, even though you don't put a voice to your criticism, it will affect you internally and I dare say spiritually. Say, well then, Brother Mike, verse 1, when it says judge not that you be not judged, what if it doesn't mean what the liberals say and that we're not allowed to judge anything, what does that mean? Well, if we read it within its context and then consider all the other verses that we're going to look at today, especially John 7 and verse 24, this is a warning. Jesus is saying if you are judging incorrectly, you need to stop judging immediately. Because if you don't, if you continue on judging incorrectly, one day God will hold you guilty of using bad judgment. So he says, if you're the hypocrite of the passage, if you're judging incorrectly, unrighteously, stop judging. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, we need to look today at, at what it means to scrutinize according to Scripture. So the first thing is in verse number 2. Let me direct your attention to verse 2. If you're going to judge the way Jesus commanded it to be done in the Bible in large... The first thing you need is a suitable standard. A suitable standard. In verse number 2, he says, With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So you need a good measuring stick, not a curvy one. You need a nice, straight, I think you say oprech, a nice, upright measuring stick by which to judge. Make sure you have a suitable standard. Would you hold your place here and flip over to James chapter 4? I'd like to point out a couple verses there. James chapter 4, please. Now some might, maybe, when they read Matthew 7 and verse 2, they say, well, if, if I'm going to use a certain measure or standard for judgment, then that's the standard that will be applied to me. So, if I am extremely and overly tolerant of other people, then God won't hold me accountable for very much because He will be extremely tolerant and even over-tolerant with me. Just because we use poor judgment doesn't mean God will use poor judgment when we stand before Him. Do you see how that works? 
When he says whatever measure or judgment you use is coming back to you one day, you're going to see in the book of James exactly what Jesus was getting at. If you use a righteous standard, a suitable standard, the way the Bible commands, then in the day of your judgment you will not have to answer for that. But if you use the wrong standard on the day of judgment, it's not going to come right for you. You'll have to answer. So come to James 4 verse 11. He says here in James 4 and 11, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Now to speak evil of someone is to slander them. That is to purposely lie about them. You know it's not true, but you just want to make them look bad. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. What's he getting at? Well, James is pointing out that some people, when they go to judge others, rather than using a suitable standard, which would be the Scripture, the, the laws, the commands that God has given us, instead of applying those to the situation, some people apply their own opinion. Some people, they judge according to appearance, some people they judge according to personal opinion. Some people they judge based on insufficient evidence. And when you do so, and you put your own opinion or your ideas about appearances in the place of the Bible, instead of saying, this is wrong because the Bible says, someone might say, this is wrong because I think it's wrong. What you're basically saying is, my opinion is more authoritative than the Bible. And now you have thereby judged the law. You're saying the law is not as good as people crack it up to be. My opinion is even better. And James says, be very careful. If that's how you're judging your brother, you're doing it wrong. You are speaking evil of him. You're condemning him based on an unjust standard. In verse number 12, he says, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Now, folks, who is the lawgiver of verse number 12? Is there any doubt that we're talking about God? Right? We're to, in verse 12, we're talking about God. He's the lawgiver. He is able to say, innocent or guilty, save or destroy, condemn or justify. Yes? God alone is able to do that. So, who are we to ignore the judgments that God has already told us about right here in His Word and instead apply our own standards for judgment? Who are we to take that upon us we're then making the Word of God to be a very small thing, and that's part of having a suitable standard. Could you imagine going into the court of law, and the judge is going to hear the case, and the plaintiff get up, uh, gets up and says, here's why I'm suing, and here's what the defendant did wrong, and the, uh, the, the plaintiff, they call the witnesses, and they tell their whole side of the story, and then the judge says, I'm awarding the plaintiff the case before the defendant even has a chance to speak. How would that fly? Is that a righteous judgment? Is that a suitable standard? You've got to hear both sides of the story. The Bible says in Proverbs, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. Do you know how many times we form opinions about others based on insufficient evidence? You heard someone say something. You heard a little piece of gossip. You saw a look on their face and assumed this is what they're feeling. This is why they said that. Rather than going straight to the source and asking them, why did you say that? 
what was your intentions behind this? And then getting the whole story. We are quick to make these judgments. And you say, Brother Mike, I get it. We need a suitable standard. We need to hear the whole story. We shouldn't judge by appearance. We should get all the facts and then we should lay them out next to the Word of God. And if the facts contradict the Word of God, then we can rightfully say that person was wrong. Are we good there? Everybody with me there? That makes sense, yes. If God said do it like this and that person did it a different way, they're wrong. Be careful. Because this is where a lot of Bible-believing Christians get excited. They go, ooh, man, thank God. I can finally judge everyone. My judgmental attitude is finally justified. I can go around, you're wrong, bam, you're wrong, bam, you're wrong, bam. And aren't there a lot of preachers that do that? The pulpit becomes, or I should say this, uh, the opportunity to preach becomes a bully pulpit. And, and they, all they do nonstop is just point out, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And then that judgmental attitude spills out. And all we do is we go out in the world and everything is bad, everything is wrong, and it shows up on your face. It shows up in your attitude at work. It shows up at home with your kids. You never compliment your kids on anything they did right. You never tell your wife how beautiful she is. You only tell her about the one little thing that's not right. And it shows up everywhere. You've got to be real careful. You say, but I've got a righteous standard, and I have a right to judge. A suitable standard is not only having the truth. You need to balance the truth with something else. If all you have is truth, my friend, you're not ready to judge. Look at James 2, verse 13. James 2, verse 13. He says, for he shall have judgment without Mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. If we're to have a suitable standard, you need truth on one hand and mercy on the other. You say, but Brother Mike, the standard is just the truth and the truth is just God's word. Yes, but even God himself, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. When God judges us, aren't you glad that there's some mercy mixed into that? Aren't you glad that when God looked down at you, he didn't just say, okay, here we go. Um, Thou shalt not, you thou shalted condemned off you go away to hell depart from me ye curse bye-bye could you imagine friend if that was the case shut the doors to the church no need for a bible we're all on our way to hell there's no hope there's no god there's no mercy there's nothing we all have sinned and come short of the glory of god and that's the end of the story if judgment comes without mercy when god judges even he takes into account that mercy Mercy is of the utmost importance. Can I ask you to come to Proverbs chapter 3? I'd like for you to see this. I'm, I'm just choosing one, one little place here. Guys, I looked it up. I think it's 76 times in the Bible you find the word mercy and truth going together in the same verse. Mercy and truth, 76 times. Not to mention how many times they might go together in the context. But in one verse, mercy and truth, It's all through the Bible like that. Those two things must walk hand in hand. Proverbs 3 and verse number 3. Proverbs 3, verse 3. He says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. 
Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So they need to be on the outside. They need to be on the inside. Not just in what you say, but even what you feel and think in your heart. You need to have mercy and truth. If you don't have both, my friend, you're not fit to judge anyone. If you don't have mercy with the truth, you're going to be too harsh. You'll be overly critical. You'll be judgmental instead of a righteous judge. Look at verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Literally, everyone in the universe will appreciate your balanced approach to judging mercy and truth. Folks, haven't you ever been in the wrong, done something you're not uh, very proud of, quite ashamed of, and somebody else knew about it, and they could have really lowered the boom on you. You could have lost it all, everything could have fallen apart, and somebody, somebody said, yes, you're wrong, but we're going to give you another chance. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for that disjunctive conjunction, for that but that's in there? Yes, you are wrong, but. Have you, have you read that in Ephesians 2 where Paul says, In times past we walked according to, the, according to the prince of the power of the air. We had our conversation in the world, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And he talks about how wicked we were. And then the next verse says, But God, who was rich in mercy and for his great love wherewith he loved us, and it goes on to talk about how by grace we're saved. You need to have truth, yes. But the suitable standard is to judge also with mercy. You've got to have both. Can I ask you to come back to Matthew 7, please? Matthew 7, let's look at another thing in the passage. You need a suitable standard. You need to know your Bible. You need to know what the Bible says about various issues before you pass judgment. And then you also need to have mercy. You need to have both things mixed. You know, I got to thinking about that this morning. I don't want to forget to mention this. I found this to be an interesting thought. What if, it's, what if it works like this, that every time you learn more truth, you also need to learn more about mercy? What if we were to balance our lives like that? Every time God teaches me some new fact from the Bible, I need to learn a little bit more about mercy and how I deal with people. Wouldn't that be a wonderful exercise for all of us to aspire to, to keep that perfect balance? In verse number three, I believe we have the next thing. In verse three, Jesus says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? How do we scrutinize according to Scripture? Suitable standard. Number two, search yourself. Before you judge somebody else, make sure you search yourself. Where do I get that? Verse 3 at the, in the middle. But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. You need to consider what's going on in your own eye, in your own heart, and in your own life before you go judging someone else. That word moat, I think we're familiar with a beam, right? You see the telephone wires and some of the electrical poles. It's just a, a nice long log, I guess you would call it, a piece of wood. That's a beam. A moat, the Greek word that gives us the word moat, it means a dry twig. It's the smallest part of the tree. But the word moat the way it's used, not only in Greek, but even in English, the way it's used, it, it talks about the smallest particle of a thing. That's a moat. 
So you can think of it like this. There's a beam and then there's a speck of sawdust. And the guy with the beam in his own eye is able to recognize, he thinks, the speck of sawdust in the other guy's eye. He doesn't realize that the two problems are connected. He is simply seeing the smaller version of his own problem. I have found it very interesting the last few years I've tried to apply this. As I find faults in other people before I say anything, I try to look at myself and say, now, how is it that I was so qualified to recognize the problem in their heart? <laughs> Could it be that I'm not maybe an expert on it? <laughs> Could it be that I am so quick to point it out because I'm so quick to do it myself? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, as in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. Interesting verse. When you look in the water, right, and you see that reflection, that's you. It's a wobbled version of you, but it's you. When you look into the heart of another person, you know what you're seeing? You are seeing a reflection of yourself. Now, you say, but I'm not all, li I'm not completely like that person. Yes, the exceptions do exist, but here's what you must realize. You may not be guilty of everything that person's doing, but you're capable of all of it. Any sin that other person's committing, your wicked heart could do the same thing. See, the Bible says in Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 10, isn't it? Where it says, the, or, or is it 17? Forgive me, the, my mind is slipping me this morning on that. But it says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, I'd never do that. And somehow we think that gives us the right to judge others. You don't realize what you're capable of. Before you judge them, stop, slow down, get a suitable standard, get truth. What does the Bible say about it? Get mercy. Let me be ready to help them. Give them a second chance. And let me consider myself. If I were in their position and if I had to go through everything they've gone through, I wonder if I would do any better. I wonder if I had to walk a mile in their moccasins. Do you guys know that phrase? Walk a mile in their moccasins. I think that's an American thing, right, from the Indians, that side. But walking a mile in their moccasins, if I had to walk a mile in their shoes, what would I do? How would I come out? Take your Bible, if you would. You can hold Matthew 7. We'll be right back. Come to Galatians chapter 6, please. Galatians chapter 6. I, I don't know if you guys if this is a popular phrase here in South Africa, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it is, I'm sure it is. But uh, in every culture, you have certain phrases that you use as cut-downs. Does everybody know what a cut-down is? You say something mean just to, just to make the other person feel small. You know, we used to use all kinds of silly things. You know, we say, man, you're so ugly, your mama has to tie a pork chop around your neck to get the dog to play with you. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, that's just, that's, <laughs> it's, it's funny, but... Stuff like that, right? But, but there were, there were cut-downs and then there were comebacks. And growing up in a public school, you had to be very good at both. <laughs> Especially myself, I was not that popular, not very many friends. I got real good with the comebacks. And there were a couple that I always leaned on. You know, somebody would say, you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly, this, that, or that. And you know, kids can be mean. Amen, moms, dads? Amen, kids? Amen. Don't be afraid to say, you can judge. It's okay. You have a righteous standard. You got the right to judge. Amen. Kids can be mean sometimes. 
So, so we'd say things, I, I, I like this one. Did you ever say this? I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. <laughs> Did you ever use that one? Is that new? Did I just give you guys a new thing? I'm rubber and you're glue bounces off of me and sticks to you. <laughs> That's silly. <laughs> but all sorts of fun, right? The other one, this was a little shorter and easier to say. They'd say, you're stupid, you're a jerk, you're this or that. Well, it takes one to know one. You have that one, right? Well, it takes one to know one. That's what we're talking about here. Before you go judging somebody else, just make sure you consider yourself. You may not be guilty of doing that particular thing at that time. But maybe you have some experience with it in the past. And you know as someone who struggled with it for, what, 5, 10 20, 30 years, how long have you struggled with that problem? You know how much you appreciate other people being patient with you. You might want to consider that when you go to judge that person. Galatians 6 and verse 1, Paul says it like this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of what? Meekness, that's the exact opposite of being judgmental, being harsh, overly critical. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know what could happen to the person who's overly critical? You go around popping everybody on the head with your Bible. You're wrong, you're wrong, how dare you? I'd never do that, I'd never do that. And God says, okay, Mr. Judgmental. Let's, uh, let's put you in that position and just see how, how good you would do. You've got, you've got to be a little bit careful because one day you might find yourself facing the same temptation that you're now aggressively condemning. You may find out, wow, this problem is a lot harder to deal with than I thought. Now listen, what the other person's doing might be wrong. And it may, it may need, it may require someone to tell them it's wrong. But before you take it upon yourself to go and do that, just make sure you check deep within. Make sure as Jesus, you can come back to Matthew 7, as Jesus tells us in verse number 5, make sure you're not a hypocrite. Make sure you're not looking for the little problem that moat that is actually the beam in your own eye. In verse number five, we come to the third thing that will help us to scrutinize according to Scripture. We need a suitable standard. You need to search yourself. And then lastly, if you're going to judge properly, you need to seek to serve. Seek to serve. Another way to say it is if you're going to judge someone, then the intentions of your heart should be trying to help them, not to hurt them. You should deep down have an, the intention to help. Look at verse 5. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to do what? To cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Do you see that in verse 5, the end goal is to help that other guy? Do you see that? We are supposed to get the mote out of his eye. 
We're not supposed to say, oh dear, I have a beam in my eye, so I'm just going to lay low, keep my mouth shut, and not try to help anyone because I'm a mess. I believe this is where the liberal has gone wrong. He says, don't judge anyone. That's mean, that's cruel. Don't say anybody's wrong. Why? I think deep down he's not interested in helping anyone. I think deep down he's, he's quite comfortable with his set of mistakes. And listen, if I won't bother you, you won't bother me. And I, I don't care if you have these problems. And as long as you don't care if I have these problems, we can all get along. Deep down he's not interested in helping that brother even in the smallest way. Why do I want to get the beam out of my own eye? So that I can help you. That means I am going to eventually have to speak up. Eventually I'm going to have to work up the boldness which we call backbone and, and lay, it, lay it out clearly and say, Brother, sister, I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. First, I need to get my standard right. I need to balance it with mercy. I need to consider myself. And then I have to think of my neighbor, my brother, and say, now, do I really intend to help you? What if we made this rule? Before I judge someone, I have to be ready to help them fix the problem. I don't know if that would practically always work, but that really would be a nice gesture to say, before I point it out in you, I'm going to come up with a solution how we can fix the problem that you're having. I wonder how many times, and my lovely wife pointed this out last night as I was chatting with her about the sermon. I got to this third point and I said, you know, part of being a, a righteous judge is seeking to serve others and trying to help them. And she said, I wonder how many preachers have a problem with that. I wonder how many times the preacher gets up and just lays it out. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's rebuke, 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 reproof, wrong, 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 guilty. But is he truly trying to help or is he just trying to make the point and puff his chest out and say, see, bless God, told you the truth. Does he really intend to help you? And, and then after, after she explained that to me, she said, oh, now I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you, honey, loud and clear. <laughs> now, you, you guys that have been in Bible school, I, I hope you back me up as I say this. I, I've tried to teach you this, that before you go preaching to someone else, make sure that sermon preaches to you. Right? You've heard me say that? Make sure it preaches to you. What am I telling you to do? It's another way of saying, make sure you get the beam out of your own eye before you get up looking for the moats and the church members. What's my job? I am trying to clean your eyes. Didn't Jesus say, put some eye salve in there? Revelation 3? Isn't that what he said to a lukewarm church? Get some eye salve in there? We need to fix up the eyes and the preacher needs to do his part and every believer needs to do their part. But I'll let it start here and I hope it trickles down to you. Let's be sure that our heart is in the right place as we do this, that we're trying to help. I, I had somebody recently, they got quite upset with me. They came around and I, I tried to help them out, helped them out financially, helped them out with some advice, tried to, I got involved in their life. And then as time went on, man, this person just went off the rails. They got involved in stuff. I told them, don't do that. What did they do? Exactly what I told them not to do. Don't do that. 
I called him up out of concern. What's going on? Why are you doing this and this and the other thing? I said, listen, what you're doing is, is just wrong. It's going to affect your relationship with God, with the church, with everybody around you, your kids. It's, it's really going to affect you. From that day forth, that person hasn't said a word to me. Now, you're going to have to take my word for it that I was trying to help, right? You're going to have to take my word for that. When we get to heaven, God says otherwise, then, you know, I tried my best to help that person. But if somebody approached that person and said, hey, we haven't seen you in church, what's going on? Here was the excuse. And this is why I'm sharing this with you. I'll never tell you who it was, but this is why I'm telling you that it happened. Well, the pastor judged me. I felt judged. That person should have felt judged. I judged them. (laughs) Yes, I judged them. I'm not ashamed to admit that. What they did was completely outside of the Bible. It was completely outside of the will of God. There was no doubt about that. Even the person admitted that. But then to say, how dare you point out my problem? Brother, sister, I hope you realize it's coming from a place of love. I hope you realize that I'm not just searching around for moats so that I can feel as if I have some dominating authority over your faith. I'm trying to help. Do you understand the person? We're talking today about how to scrutinize according to Scripture, right? But I don't want to finish this message without putting in a little P.S. You also need to learn to be scrutinized according to Scripture. The person who is doing the judging needs to do it with a spirit of meekness, right? Didn't we read that in Galatians? Spirit of meekness. The person receiving the criticism, be humble enough to take it. We have created within our society, and our society has slipped into the body of Christ. We we are a society of thin-skinned people. We cannot take the slightest rebuke about anything. Point in case, a few weeks ago, I give messages about being faithful to church. (laughs) Stay away from that. I preached a message on you've been offending God. You're grieving Him. (gasps) How dare you point that out? How dare I not? When Jesus showed up, it was repent. When John the Baptist showed up, it was repent. When Paul went to a new place, it was repent. Guys, that's not to say that Paul's a perfect man or that John was a perfect man. I'm sure, I'm convinced that they checked their heart and I'm sure that when they said repent, they were using the standard of the Bible, of God's Word, to bring people back to an upright position. They were trying to help. Is anyone trying to help you? I don't care which side you're on. Maybe you're the brother that needs to get the beam out. Maybe you're the brother sitting there patiently with a moat in there and someone's about to come to you and try to help. Whatever the case is, handle that. Handle that the way Jesus would expect you. Take it with humility in the spirit of meekness. I'll finish with this thought. If if you're here and you've never been saved, do you realize I cannot just tell you that Jesus died on the cross and if you accept him you'll go to heaven that's, that's, not, that's not all there is to the message now you folks know that right you, you folks that have been in the church a while you know that 
You know what I have to tell you before I can get to the cross? You've broken God's laws. There are not just motes in your eye, there are beams in your eyes. You have grievously offended the Lord. You've, you've broken His commandments and He's going to hold you accountable for that. There's no way around that. Not in your own strength. There's nothing you can do to fix it. But God, who is rich in mercy and for His great love, where He loved us, He sent His Son to die and pay for our sins on the cross. Do you see how even within the message of the gospel, we have to judge righteous judgment you're not guilty according to my standards you're guilty according to God's standard when you stand before him at the judgment you will not pass it based on what you've done the only way that you can hear God say well done thou good and faithful servant enter into the joy of thy Lord is if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but by me say brother Mike how how is it that you can stand and confidently say all the other ways are wrong and only Jesus is right isn't that judgmental to say Islam is wrong, Buddhist is wrong, all these other systems are wrong, only Jesus. Isn't that judgmental? That's not judgmental, that's righteous judgment. I'm taking this, a suitable standard. Jesus said, I'm the only way. I realize you might, it might cross your mind, but Brother Mike, listen, we're, we're sitting in church. Uh, this is the December crowd. We've heard this. We've been hearing you preach this for several years. Did you know it's come to my attention that you can sit in this church for several years and not be saved? Would you do me a favor and consider yourself this morning? Before you look around in the church and say, I bet that guy's not saved, and I bet she's not saved, and I saw them at this and this place, bet she's not saved. And I heard them tell this joke, they're not saved. Before you go checking out everybody's moats, just check out the, the beam in your eye. Are you saved? How do you know you're saved? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, please, please, make sure, make sure, before you go home today, make sure you know that as a fact. If you could, let's all stand, please, together. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a few minutes. will not take long. Heads bowed and eyes closed. This is not the type of message that stirs revivals. That's okay. Not every sermon has to stir a nationwide revival. It might help you as you go through the week to use better judgment. It might help you balance the truth and the mercy that you need to have in your life. Maybe today you can take a look in your own heart, the problems you see with other people. Do you have that same problem? If you truly desire to help someone else get your own heart right, Get your own vision clear and then lovingly and in mercy in the spirit of meekness approach your brother. Say, brother, I love you but I can see you're overtaken by this fault. 
I'd like to help. I want to, I want to see you restored. And I know if it, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I could be doing the same thing. That's exactly what Paul told us to do. Say, I'm afraid to offend. I don't want to offend anyone. So you're just going to let them walk, walk off with the moat in their eye? Well, that's not very nice. If you're going to help them, help them the right way. Scrutinize, but do it according to Scripture. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to see all these various truths in the Bible. Lord, help us, please, not to be a judgmental people. God, let it start with me. Fix my heart, Lord. Fix my attitude. Lord, please change my heart so that the intentions of my heart matches those of your heart. Lord, help us as a church to balance very well this matter of mercy and truth. Lord, perchance somebody's here not saved. Father, I sure would love to see that person saved, whoever it might be. Maybe they've been coming to church for a while. Lord, maybe today you use something that was said to just shake, shake them up a little bit. What a joy it is to know you personally to know what it is to experience the mercy of God. Thank you for loving us that much. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning. We'd love to hear more from you tonight. Would you please bring us back safely tonight? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.